Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser. I decided years ago that there was no such thing as a guilty pleasure. I know that there are movies, television programs, and music that are seen as guilty pleasures, as junk food for the mind, but there's enough negativity in this world without having to subject your own entertainment choices to such scrutiny. If you like it, just like it. Today is going to be a, I'm adding a bonus episode because, uh, well, partly because it's inspired by the success of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that just came out, and partly because this kind of subject is something I've been wanting to talk about on the program, but I've been afraid that it would be a little less uh, popular than, say, movie and television for people, so these will be... Uh, I'm going to do some bonus episodes where I will discuss comics and a few other subjects that maybe don't have the same kind of broad appeal. So today, we're going to go back in time, and as I said, in the spirit of the recent success of the movie Joker, we're going to talk about the time when the Clown Prince of Crime had his own comic. In 1975, this is DC Comics' Joker. Arrest Batman and Robin. What for, pray? For illegal parking. <laughs> Come now, Joker. You can't make those charges stick. Meet the new district attorney. The, the Riddler. But first, we must see the flying suit. Where is it? You want to steal it. So much for finesse. Tell us where it is or else. It hasn't been tested yet. Ah! Sorry, gentlemen, but my Joker plane is here and... <laughs> I must be leaving. <laughs> Tell Batman that I shall devote myself to making him the laughing stock of Gotham City. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not my fault. Joker, looks like you've been discarded. People cursing at each other on the freeway? It's simply not polite. Please, I'll do anything to make it up. Anything. I'll let you off if you promise to do a little favor for me. What? I don't know. I haven't thought of it yet. In my home security system, <laughs> down, Rusty. <laughs> Meatloaf again? Oh, I had it for lunch. Isn't Hazel here a cutie? Can't help who you fall in love with. Mama, check out the cute hitchhiker. Joker. Lexi, old kid, do I have a deal for you? Joker's back in town. <laughs> ah, uh, such fun memories. Uh, obviously, for me, the Joker is a big deal. My very first comic was Batman number 251, The Joker's Five-Way Revenge by Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Of course, being a kid, I had no idea that this was the return of the Joker for the first time in years, and the first a picture of the Joker as a crazy person who escapes an asylum to wreak havoc on Gotham City. I just know that it was brilliant and exciting. It was it coincided with me discovering the Batman TV series. So obviously here's Batman and the Joker 
everything I wanted, everything I like on a weekday afternoon adventure, and here it is in four color form for me to enjoy. I had nightmares for about two weeks because uh, I don't think Kid Me was ready to see the Joker murdering people <laughs> with such reckless abandon, but it also made me want more comics so much. It set the course of my life. Now, DC Comics, being no fools, always knew the Joker was a popular character, and they saw that uh, the recent O'Neill and Adams reinvention of the Joker caused a big spike in sales. It was followed up with an appearance in the Batman team-up comic, The Brave and the Bold, and again, another big spike in sales. The Joker returned for a story I dearly love, um, this one will kill you, where he has injected Batman with something that makes him laugh at inappropriate things. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I love that one a lot too. But yeah, once again, another spike in sales. So DC says, hey, why don't we give the Joker his own comic? Now, you would immediately think, wow, what a great idea. Why did nobody think to do this before? It became immediately apparent why you don't do this, and that problem was the Comics Code Authority. In the 50s, when comic books were under scrutiny for causing juvenile delinquency, the industry created the Comics Code of America, which told you uh, basic guidelines for how you were going to do comics so that you weren't warping the children who were reading. And uh, one of the more specific things is that bad guys will pay for their crimes at the end of every issue. There is no way that the bad guy gets to win at the end. Now you see the problem with the Joker. He can't be the good guy. He's certainly not uh, a proper antagonist who that we can cheer for. So that meant that you already had real problems giving him his own comic. Denny O'Neill uh, came in originally to, uh, to script the book, and he had said that it was an impossible task for that very reason. He can't win, but he's the lead character and he can't lose. So what do you do with him? Well, in 1975, Joker number one launched. I bought it. I bought every issue of Joker. I was so excited for more Joker. I didn't... Um, I didn't twig to the major problems at first, but even I could tell that they were having some serious problems with the concept as it went on. In the very first issue, um, some flaky, uh, super campy, uh, Cuban-esque bad guys break Two-Face out of Arkham to help with some sort of major crime. And Two-Face flips his coin and refuses to release the Joker as well. So now he is on a course that he is going to disrupt whatever Two-Face is doing. That gives you a clear Joker as the antagonist foiling the schemes of the bad guy. Joker has no motivation other than to sour whatever it is that Two-Face is working on. That's fine. You, um, you can't really do it all the time. And again, Joker has to be captured at the end of every story. So Joker and Two-Face both get captured and thrown in the clink and everything is good and everything is right. You've got to repeat this formula over and over and over. The second issue features a villain called Willie the Weeper. Um, and uh, it's more or less the same thing. It's the Joker pretending to help somebody uh, but really taking over his scheme, he'll end up getting caught. 
this is the point when I started to feel like um, maybe they were having some problems. The Creeper turns up in the next one, and um, the Creeper is a character that DC really should do more with, but they don't. Uh, he is a fascinatingly interesting character that nobody really has a good handle on. I don't even think his creator, Steve Ditko, had a really strong handle on what the Creeper could be. But this is one of those characters that's just lying in wait for somebody to reinvent. And he made a good uh, adversary for uh, for the Joker. They did a story uh, later in the run where the Joker takes on the Green Arrow and Black Canary that, again, also works because that level of superhero is great for the Joker. Now, the plot of that particular issue is ridiculous because the Joker has gone through Star City and immediately fallen in love with Black Canary's alter ego, Dinah Lance. And he is head over heels in love with her and is going to do anything for her, and that's where the problems start. And I honestly am of the impression that the whole reason this book exists, this story anyway, is because Neil Adams was on the convention circuit around this same time, telling everybody that, in his opinion, the Joker is a homosexual character. I can see some of the editors uh, at DC Comics, uh, especially in 1975-1976, being concerned about that sort of thing and um, wanting to put some really aggressively heterosexual behavior into the Joker so that it kind of kills that idea before it starts to spread. It was a different time back then. And honestly, uh, this wouldn't be a character that I think you'd be really proud of as an advocate for your group. So, um, yeah, it's it's not good for anybody the way that goes. You can have that interpretation. And it doesn't change the books at all, really. But uh, in 1975, that was, a pretty, uh, that was a pretty seismic suggestion to make about a cartoon character. There's, um, there's issues where um, the Joker battles Lex Luthor, the Scarecrow, the Catwoman, the Royal Flush Gang, and even a guy who's been whacked on the head and thinks that he's the real Sherlock Holmes. And as the book goes on, you can tell that there is a lot of problems with the format. You just can't keep it going. Having the Joker continually foiling other villains' uh, schemes is it's counterintuitive. The Joker then is little more than just a gooseberry or he's the fly in the ointment. And that's really not the heart of this character. This character is a, a ticking time bomb of chaos. And he is not the antagonist of a comic. He's just not. Uh, Steve Englehart would end up bringing the character in uh, shortly after the cancellation of the book and doing the the best interpretation at that point of the Joker as somebody who is legitimately crazy with le- legitimately crazy motivations. And it just works better where he's just unpredictable chaos and and all kinds of fury. And the problem is you can't anticipate him because you can't get into his mindset at all. Obviously a better take than the um, than the Joker comic. However, the Joker comic is a lot of fun. It's a lot of Bronze Age type fun. Uh, artwork from people like Irv Novick and uh, Ernie Chan and um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. 
uh, really make the book look nice. Uh, there's some there's some lackluster inking here and there, but it's very solid. You've got solid storytellers who are crafting these stories, and um, the depictions are always fun, and the stories are always straightforward, perhaps a little simpler than standard Batman comics, but um, given that it was a series that was going to have this problem on the launching pad anyway, perhaps it's just this perfect little jewel of crazy uh, Bronze Age nonsense. It was never going to work. We knew it was never going to work. Everybody who made it knew it wasn't going to work, but for me, Oh, what could be better than knowing that every month I was going to get another comic book with the Clown Prince of Crime in it? Ah, uh, I can't. I can't read these comics without that feeling. I can't read them without that uh, that nostalgic pull of oh boy, it's the Joker, and oh boy, it's the Joker continues to the present day. I mean, part of the reason why this Joker movie looks appealing to me is because, well, it's the Joker. I can't get past how much that character has stamped himself on me from the time that I was a toddler. And I will, um, I will always be an easy mark for this kind of Joker material. All nine issues of Joker comics are available in a trade paperback that is a lot of fun and worth your time. It's um, it's often silly, it's often campy, but it's never anything less than entertaining. So much, I guess, like the Joker himself. So uh, seek it out if you want, and I will be with you another time. I've been little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser. Thank you for listening to No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and The Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth. Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and The Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.